Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 123 Keep on chugging, keep on moving. We got a hell of a fight weekend coming up. Six days in between, we had a Dana White contender series last night. Nick Newell coming up short. How did you feel about that? Coming up short. Oh. Was that a, are you trying to make a, I was like, I don't know how Nick Newell's going to win. Nick Newell and what army? Boom. What army? (laughs) It was all right. I don't, he didn't not look like an MMA fighter. He looked as good as all the other guys and he just, you know, got hurt. He still showed he was tough in there and I don't know, Dana didn't do him any favors. Oh, I agree. That alpha male fighter, uh, Iowa or Ohio State wrestler, not All-American, yeah, he didn't have some chunk to knock out of Well, in there. and he was, the guy who beat him wasn't even on the table as being one of the guys that could get the contract. So I was kind of confused. Because it was a decision. You know how Dana White wants a finish and then even all the but finishes. But didn't one of the guys who got the contract won by decision? He did, but he was also a two-to-one underdog. James Vick's protege. Uh, his name escapes me right now. Yoku, your, what was it? Yusef? Uh-huh. The Nigerian? Uh-huh. All about Nigeria. He was a he because he was such an underdog is what I assume. But usually all the finishers sit at the end and they do they get the option of being called. He wasn't even in the list of guys. Oh, that no, was, all the winners. It's all the winners go back into that room. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sure, and sure. usually at the end, all, yep. every single one of them, yep. they get the option of being called. He was not even in the room. I do remember not seeing him back there. Could have went directly to the hospital. There could have been yeah. like, hey, my hand broke in there or something like that. And they're like, all right, getting them right out of here. That has happened before with other winners. But either way, he didn't get the contract. Even though he beat Nick, beat Nick Newell. He was, his name wasn't. There was how many people? Three people got a contract. One got a promotional deal. The 18-year-old. We had a 18 versus 20-year-old a in development there. development deal. Development. Uh, new blood. This is a new, new, new generation of MMA. Dana White's really showing that they're looking at top prospects and really doing their research. Both of these young men mm-hmm. had skills, beat a lot of other guys, but still agreeing with their cardio and the adversity from the 18-year-old to come through in that second and third round. Couldn't finish the fight, though. It was really a slop. Some people call it a slop fest. I called it a scramble. So... I don't know what you get from it, but I, I do think new breed. These kids are like eight years old. I was watching Cub Swanson, and now I'm 18. So here I am training all that time, learning everything that Cub and or everyone else did. Um, I I believe the UFC signed him so no one else would, and I don't know if it's the best thing for his career to be signed by the UFC because we have not seen them develop a fighter right yet. And the one that blares out to me call. is Francis Naganu. Or Calvillo. 
or Sage Northcutt. Yes. Uh, like you were on a great, yes. great call. Great so point. I don't Randy know if it was boy, necessarily the best thing for the kid's career, but another impressive Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. I agree. It is a must watch in between the week when you need your MMA fix after you listen to Lat B. You definitely need and to be catching And it's the right up. length. I agree. No, not heavy on commercials. 10 to 2. If a fight's over. If the fight's over, they get the other one on board. They're not you're not sitting there watching Bud Light commercials all day, which with the ESPN deal, it has been confirmed officially that ESPN does not like the promotion uh avenue that UFC or in Fox Sports 1 is using and they're going to be more on that fast pace like no no no, a fight finishes, we get the next fight on instead of making it a 6-hour event. If it's over in 4, let's get out of here. Let's go home. Let's cash them chicks. Yeah, it's the same way, like, let's cook it down. Let's yep. cook it down to sugar. Exactly. Let's cook it down to Just sugar. We don't need all this water. We don't need all this all water this filler, in the filler, sauce. filler, But coming in for another thriller. Did you see Costa versus Yoel Romero? Officially on the books. Is it official? I thought I've seen that it's official. Because I've seen it, and then I saw it was tentative. Like, it might have been released too soon. Like, it was being worked on still. It was, from what I had, I was hearing, was 80, 90% done, and then it was official. And I don't know if they've retracted it from that, but pretty much all the legitimate sources. And then I think even bigger than that, which is kind of crazy to everyone, is the Tyron Woodley till going down for the belt. That's not official. I thought that one was official. I didn't. I thought that one wasn't official. Um, huh. But the other one that is is Chris Weidman. I Luke believe Rockwell I too. saw that on the UFC Twitter. The Till Woodley. All right, we got another championship I belt. Believe, Colby Covington yeah. potentially being stripped from that interim belt due to supposed nasal and or upper respiratory issues via T Wood. That's what he's saying, but. Tyrone has said as well, he's never got a contract for Colby Covington, so that fight was never on with him either. And now, when it's push come to shove, T-Wood's ready to fight, same as Christiana Cyborg, and he doesn't want to wait till next year. He's like, no, 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 I'm ready now. I've sat out long enough. I'm telling you. And they're so silly because with Christiana and with Woodley, uh, with Christiana more so, this woman can uh, potentially... um, be one in there and out so she might be able to fight five times a year without really getting hurt if they just get her some fights totally it doesn't even matter if it's against people i think she has a very valid point that we've never it doesn't matter we've already seen her go against people we cans in quotes you know that people think she can't beat totally or thinks she's gonna win easy so i don't know my thoughts on it i don't know what else is going on any other gossip before we get into oh ronda rousey was on shark week Oh, yeah. It was horrible trash. I somehow stumbled on it. The Shack with Rob Riddle. <laughs> you I somehow stumbled it. on it. Everyone, it's like <laughs> so. It's like through. It, it's so pushed. Like yes. it's on every commercial. Yes. They want everyone in America to watch Shark Week. So the really weird thing that I saw about Shark Week with the Ronda Rousey is that they kept profiling her MMA career and how she was a champ and a monster in the cage and all this cage talk. And she's been a WWE star for like two and a half years now, completely distanced herself from MMA. And it's just like, did WWE not want Ronda in there talking about how good of a wrestler she is? Because Two and a half years? Hasn't she only been with the WWE if like six months? How long has she been out of the UFC? Uh, her last fight with Amanda Nunes. Correct. Was that like two years ago? I don't know. But I know she wasn't right with the WWE just not because immediately. she was done. Either yeah. way... 
I feel like she's only been with him six months, and I would even be willing to bet that it was filmed maybe before she joined the WWE and a whole bunch of their storyline broke out. There might not have been footage to use yet. You're saying this could have been like a year ago? Yeah, it's Shark Week. They might not have huge budget. It might have been something she did to heal mentally from the Amanda Nunes fight. She kept like shadow boxing in random scenes. She kept out there and training and shadow boxing up on cliff edges. And I'm like, that's cool, but you don't use that anymore. Should she have been (laughs) shadow arm barring? Thank you. Exactly. You can get out there in bikini and freaking (laughs) practice some Grammys, girl. But... Uh, yeah, that was kind of MMA news, and it was just kind of shitting on it a little bit, getting away from that Eskimo family talk as well, much as they could be. I thought, you know, that is a uh, an igloos are cold. Cold. And I, that's what I heard about her Shark Week. That was the consensus I heard about it is that everyone felt like she was cold, and they remembered why they didn't like her. On the nose. Spot on the nose. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. Like She was trying to be likable, but at the same time, she doesn't give a damn about her reputation, and she does what she wants, and she has fans out there. Luckily, she has a lot of other fans, but it's also the MMA community hating. My career advice for Ronda Rousey, um, another, I, I mean, obviously stay in the WWE, but I think the WWE should even pay for it, and I think she should do a remake of They Live. Ooh, no, 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 I would, that would make me so very upset, because... Why? I don't know why. Rowdy Piper was not a great actor. You burned me once, you can't burn me again. Rowdy Piper wasn't a good actor, so it's not like... And I think I kind of like the same special effects ideas just done with a modern... One of the greatest fight scenes, trashiest, funnest fight scenes you ever seen, watch that. There's dick kicks, eye pokes. Roddy Roddy versus that former Marine. And I think the same shitty, like, uh, special effects. Yes. Love it. But, like, now Actually, that'd be really fun. Really, really fun. Only she can do the remake of it. It only makes sense if she does it. And it makes just as much sense as him doing it back then. Which he It wasn't like he was the Tom Selleck of his day. He was Roddy Piper, the wrestler who made this movie. Would she wear Roddy Piper's jacket that doesn't fit her the I think whole time it should be that. pretty much right on the whole storyline it should just be her instead of him updated I think the story a fits the story fits to me I think Black so. B conspiracy baby oh, they should, live it's a documentary we should do a GoFundMe <laughs> we should do a GoFundMe on this for the, produce the Ronda Rousey they live they live and documentary and it makes so much sense bum, now bum, bum, anyways bum, bum, enough bullshit bum, bum. I guess getting into the nitty gritty we got a 13 card bout out of Calgary, no debuts at all. These are all going to be fighters we've seen in the UFC and or the UFC show. So we're going to have footage on all these guys. It's going to be fun. There's some sticky ass fights in here. Betting lines all over the place. DraftKings all over the place. We got odds for you from everywhere, from the bottom to the top. We have Devin Powell versus Alvaro Herrera. Herrera coming off of the Latin America show. Already had a couple fights. Both of these fighters have a two-fight losing streak. Devin Powell with a nine or eight and three record against Alvaro's nine and five. Alvaro has had a couple finishes. Tends to be a striker. Moved down from 170 pounds at 155, looking a little bit more shredded. It's mainly that right hand. Take down the fences, meh. On the ground, he looks lost at times. And Definitely likes to keep it striking so he can land that 
straight right that is a piston he has power in the third round but if it doesn't land you can see how the submission and ground game is where people get it done against him and devin powell losing to Dracar close and daryl horcher in a split decision those are both higher level than i think alvaro herrera has fought as of late on the ground powell has a distinct advantage striking wise powell is a little bit herky-jerky he has power and throws a lot of kicks and stuff but definitely the avenue to get this fight to the ground and finish it there is where i see powell winning i got a submission round number two this is a low level fight both fighters debuting I'm going to let me stay away all day from this, but I do have Powell winning this on the ground, second round. Who do you have? I don't really want to add too much to it to just save time for the fights I want to talk about. Totally. So I agree with you everywhere, except I think it takes him a little longer to find the submission in round three. <laughs> nice. I like that. But I'm going to stay away from it as well. 8,400 for Devin Powell on DraftKings against 7,800 for Herrera. I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from this on DraftKings as well. Doesn't make doesn't make any sense. The minus 125 favorite being Powell in that. A lot of people see that low level competition. Then we go to the straw weights. 115 pounds. We have Ronda Marcos versus Nina, the engaged lioness's offspring, Asnarov. Randa Marcos comes in with... Offspring. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I just tried to make it rhyme as much as I... I thought I did a good job. <laughs> Offspring. Asnarov. She gave birth to her. <laughs> Mid little lion. <laughs> Randa Marcos likes to get her wrestling going in it there. It makes sense that the lady lions are the ones that hunt. So you got two lionesses in there? Yeah, going to kill things. She is known... Uh, though Nina Asnarov is known as the Strina? What is that? The Strina? Nina Asnarov. Uh, Marcos the Strina Quiet Strina Nina, as I'm guessing. Strina Nina. The I Strina. Like the offspring. I don't... The offspring is a way better one. Random Marcos, Quiet Storm, 8 and 5, Contender Series. We know who can beat Random Marcos. Alexis Grasso in a split decision and Courtney Casey, both stand up fighters that were able to defend the takedowns. If Random Marcos doesn't get her takedowns going, um, it's really a tough fight for her. Her striking's <clears throat> underdeveloped. Even though she's at TriStar, we kind of have seen what her potential is. And I think it's right where she's at now. This is a coin flip of a fight. If there's a fighter, though, that has made more progression over time that I've seen make bigger leaps and bounds, 8-5 Nina Asnarov, two-fight winning streak, has done that. Her takedown defense has gotten on point. Her nutrition's gotten on point. You know she's working arm bars all day at night. You know in the evening, they working at arm bars at home, Kamours and all that good shit. I got Asnarov being actually I a call it the Donald decided. Trump. Oh, You know please. she's grabbing pussy. Oh, <laughs> getting that grip strength going. Getting that grip strength. I got Asnarov walking away with this decided decision. I think she should be a heavy favorite here. Maybe a finish. I like Mar Marcos' heart in there, but I got Asnarov being able to keep it on the feet. And on the feet, it's so heavy for Asnarov. I'm going heavy decision, maybe a finish as the week goes on. Who do you have in this fight? I don't think this is going to be a boring fight. And if anyone has this close and if Nina is under 9-8, or, or I'm sorry, if she's under 8-7 on DraftKings, then... Uh... I think you bought putting Nina on every card. I think she's going to throw enough punches. I think I know her um, girl is a black belt 
with jujitsu and outweighs her by probably 30 pounds. So to me, there's a way a woman could warm up with a woman, I say this all the time, that a male partner can't do because a male has to hold back a little bit unless they're warming up with Chris Cyborg. They have to just, not that these women aren't killer, killer, but I just think there's a way that she can train with the champion that none of the other women in this division get to do except for Rose and Shevchenko so I think Nina's going to crawl up this division and I think Randa is just going to be I don't want to say easy step in her way but I think that Angela Hill was a harder fight for Nina and I think Nina the thing about Randa is she's really tough and she has tons of heart and she'll take a ton of beating so I'm going to give her to round three that and it's going to there's going to be so much accumulation of punches but eventually Nina's going to punch herself out and just go for the submission and I see just her just taking the arm bar or doing a mm-hmm. rear naked choke something like that Going just right because she's punching herself out a lot yeah. so um i got nina submission round three Woo! Eight thousand five hundred for nina Asgaroff. that's a good price for it. i agree again seven thousand seven hundred marcos i could see marcos being that wager gauger though because of the amount of scrambles takedowns and just uh output for both of these ladies potentially scrambles and takedowns yes randa does not lay a lot of punches yeah i've made that mistake putting her on cards wanting that in the past. Minus 150 favorite as well, Nina Asneroff. I think other people are seeing kind of that growth out of Asneroff as we are as well. On to the flyweights. We have Dustin Ortiz coming in against Matthew Nicolau. This is definitely a fight of the night contender off of the bat. You know, here, the Bean's a big fan of Ortiz, especially in those scrambles. I was looking at his record and my picking stats with him, I've been six of six. Wow. With Ortiz and I thought I tried to I rode him for a long time and then I backed off because he was losing these split decisions because of his grindability. Nicolau 13 and 1 having quite a few fights in here against solid competition. It has been 6 months since his last win decision against Smoka. Both of these fighters share a win over Smoka. Nicolau being a top prospect at 125, but Dustin Ortiz to me is a prospect killer. He's one of those guys that comes in and always has a gritty split decision fight and makes fighters look worse than they are. And it's more Ortiz is just grind, grind city. Ton of takedowns coming off a two-fight winning streak against Pantoja, which I actually picked against Ortiz there. Ground him out, and Hector Sandoval ended up finishing him in there, losing to Moreno in a submission and Formiga in a decision. I'm going to say here... Nicolau's coming in with a ton of hype, great striking, on the ground really good as well, sneaks in submissions, and that's where people are thinking that uh, the same thing that Moreno did, caught Ortiz with a head kick and then finished him on the ground. I think a lot of people see Nicolau being able, able to emulate that completely, but I think Ortiz goes heavy on those takedowns like he usually does, racks him up and gets a split decision, dirty ass split. You heard it here first, Dustin Ortiz, the underdog, I got him, how do you feel this one ends up going? Again, I don't want to add too many extra words to stuff you already said. I just have it going the other way. I think Nicolau is a guy that if he ruins a dirty split where people are like, what? 
well, I can see it. You know, he makes fights yep. really tight. I just see him eking it out the other way over Dustin Ortiz, but I probably won't put him too many if he's heavy favorited because I like everything you say about Dustin Ortiz. So 9,000 for Matthew Nicolau on DraftKings against 7-2 Wage Gager, Dustin Ortiz. Dis- do, you see, do you see a decision, though? You see a split decision, not a, a finish? I see a split decision as so well. I just got to go in the other way. That's where Ortiz is going to more than likely be that wage gauge, especially with those takedowns. Uh, the chin, I'm not worried about his chin so much. It Me takes either. a lot It takes a lot to really start to hurt Ortiz in there. Then we go to the 125ers, Alexis Davis against Caitlin Chukagian, blonde fighter against the Alligator. 19 and 7 for Alexis Davis, longtime contender at 33 years old against two fight winning streak 10 and 1. Chukagian. Chukagian's only loss coming to Liz Gorilla in a split decision, but last beating Irene Aldana and Borella. Decision also losing, or Davis also losing to Liz Carmouche seven months ago in a split decision and beating Cindy Daniels in a decision. Losing the McMahon, Davis. We know what we get in there. Good ground, ground, good ground game. Likes to take the fight to the ground. Has actually a good inside takedown. She'll step over the back of the knee and get it down there. Chukagian likes to keep it standing. Blonde fighter tends to be a kickboxer. Has shown to get her hips away. She's coming out of the All Stars Brazilian Jiu Jitsu team, but has really started to show her takedown defenses. How she's starting to win these decisions because she is a better striker than most of these ladies doesn't have a ton of power more of that kill you by kill you by a thousand cuts and Alexis Davis to me is starting to lose a little bit of a step and striking wise if she doesn't get this down I see her losing a decision just due to 30-27 if not 29-28 it all depends on that takedown and uh I'm giving it to Chikagian decision I'm gonna probably stay away from this one completely how do you feel this one goes down I agree with you. I think this is going to be a rough fight everywhere, and it might be a painful one to watch. It might get boring. Um, I got Davis' decision right now. I could see myself easily switching to Shukagian. I just like the Liz Carmouche um, win for Alexis Davis a Uh little while ago, um, whereas Barella is just a little too green Agreed. That's a good point. So I'm just going with experience here, but that did not pay off for me last week. Uh, so Davis decision. Chukagian, 8,700 on DraftKings against 7-5 for Davis. That's too much for Chukagian, especially without a finish really accumulating in there. Davis is tough to get out of there. it could be a wager gauger. As Davis as well? Yep. For that decision. I don't see her getting finished. Yeah, I kind of don't see that finish coming along either. Real quick on the betting lines for both of those. Oh, Ortiz plus 185 against Nicolaus minus 225. There might be some money to be that made there. And for Marcos against, I said that 150. Where 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 were we? Wow, these lines are all split up. Oh, we don't have a line yet for officially for. Um, that's Chukagian weird. Chukagian and, and Davis. Yeah, it's not on my best fight odds. Maybe where it I'll is tend just. To get even, Super short notice. Even odds. <coughs> true, true. <coughs> so, to the 155ers, we go John, the Bull Modeski, versus Ross, the real deal. Peterson, both of these guys, longtime veterans. 
decline for both of these guys. You know how we feel here. Ross Peterson with a 20-14 and 14 record. He's barely holding on to a contract in there. Modeski, everything could be said the same for a 15-4 and four record. Or 15-6 and six record. Modeski coming off of a win to Trujillo. Nobody saw that coming. I didn't see that coming. I thought Modeski was out of it. But he tends to be a Taekwondo stylist in there. Has an okay gas tank. It's just that chin. If people can land on Modeski, he crumbles. Been saying it for a very, very long time. And Ross Pearson was on a four-fight losing streak. Finally beat Hirota in a decision five months ago, but took a beating in there. We just kind of are seeing that Ross Pearson is losing a step, losing a bit of power, losing a little bit of that gas tank, but still has all the skills in there to be able to beat solid fighters. Ross Pearson has better takedowns. I don't see this going to the ground at all. Modeski has okay takedown defense. On the ground, it would be advantageous for Ross because he could easily win a decision there. But I think that does not going to matter. This is going to stay striking. If it doesn't go to decision, I am betting against Modeski's chin. And I do think Ross Pearson lands heavy shots or heavier shots that accumulate more. And against other fighters, they'd withstand it. But Modeski cannot... I got Ross Pearson TKO round number one. I know that's weird, but uh, it's uh, against it's more of a fade on Modeski. And again, I'm going to probably start to fade Ross Pearson after this. But this is a winnable fight for either fighter. I got TKO round number one, Pearson. Who do you have? I see everything you say about Modeski. But I believe he only gets finished by head kicks. And I don't see Ross Pearson throwing a head kick. So I think... If there's going to be an ugly split decision, this might be the fight. I got Modesti decision, eking it out over Ross Pearson. And if Ross Pearson's contract's up, this could be the last time we see him fight in the UFC. I agree there's with no that. There's no reason to keep him. We've got enough that. UK fighters at this point. He's done so much for the sport, though. And he's come in on short notice and lost the guys. And, like, <laughs> he's fought top, top level. He hasn't had any easy fights at all. 8,900 for Modeski on DraftKings against 7,300. I, I feel that way about Modeski. The guys yeah. he use, McDessie, yep. the guys he uses to are so, like, they're the best guys. They are legit guys. And, but two of the guys he's lost to fight at 170 now. Good point. Good, good point. Minus 170 favored almost 2 to 1 for Modeski against the plus 150 for Pearson. Wow, I got a couple underdogs so far tonight. Should I be scared? What's your assessment so far? <laughs> One thing I'll say about this card is it should be the pay-per-view and the Dillashaw Garbrandt should be the Fox card. This is a, such a gift to Fox on this the way out. It's a, a real card. way for if they are looking for any extra fans from the Fox contract right here at the tail end of it, this is the biggest treat I've ever seen on TV, this card. I agree. This is For a, a free fun, card. Free it's the card. best free card I've ever seen on TV. I cannot even believe it. I thought it was a pay-per-view all month. And then as I was researching it, I'm like, are you kidding? Wow, these fights? Nice. And then you look at next week's pay-per-view, not great. A lot of stuff is not falling great. out of There's that. only two um, great fights. Uh, that's not fair to say, but two pay-per-view fights. On. Worthy, pay-per-view worthy. Yeah. Willing to pay for it. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Then we go to the 205ers with Gadzuram 
Antir Gulov against Ion Kutalaba. Stretching it out there. The Russians are really making me work here. We have a 20 and 4 fighter, 31 year old. If Anti Gulov come off comes out and makes a highlight reel, we'll remember his name. Definitely. He has had a couple highlights in there, beating a few coming out of the ABC scene. He's beat Rodrigo de Lima in a submission, then also submitted Joaquin Christiansen. Both of those fighters, I believe, are out of the UFC. Ian Kutalaba being 13 and 3. The Hulk himself uh, is coming off of one of the worst beatdowns, not coming off of, because he just beat Henrik De Silva TKO, which we all saw, because you know how we know about how we feel about Frankenstein, but when push comes to shove, Kutalaba is a front runner, and if he doesn't get his act going in there, he tends to fold a little bit. Cannoneer showed us. Cannoneer was holding him playground style down. After Kutalaba gassed hard in that first round, Kutalaba pushes hard, shoots a lot of takedowns, but... We, if he doesn't get people out of there in the first round or stay on top, he folds and he doesn't. He can't get up from underneath. He'll just eat punches. Thought he could have been finished in there. And on the ground, Antigulov, that's what he likes to do. He likes to get on the ground, has good reversals, good ground game for a big guy, sneaky submissions, and he makes you work. Uh, I think the grappling advantage here actually goes to Antigulov because mm. he works better off of his back than Kutalaba does off of his back, where Kutalaba has to be on top to be winning the fight. Striking-wise, I do give it to Kutalaba. He swings with intent, but he throws himself out of balance sometimes. So a really good striker is going to capitalize on that. I don't think Antilouk Gulov's there. That makes it a bit scary for me. I have submission round number two, Antigulov, I do think, on the ground. Sneakier submission guy. I'm going to kind of stay away from this, though. Ian Kutalaba's a live-ass dog in there. I'm going to be tentative on this. I might play Kutalaba on a couple spots as well. Tentative, tentative fight. This is a fun one as well. This is definitely a really fun fight. Who do you have winning this bout? That is the same way I feel about everything down to the round. That is the... I am just as tentative. I, even though I, we have the same picks, a mission round two for Ante Gulov, I am frightened to put it anywhere because I think... When I think Livewire, I think Kutalaba can catch anyone at any time. Yeah. He reminds me, his style is comparable to Mike Perry when he first came into the UFC. Except we see Mike Perry honing himself and becoming very fine-tuned and getting his instruments so sharp and so precise going over to JW. Kutalaba... The same thing needs to happen for him. He needs to change camps. But something interesting about both these fighters is they don't fight out of the United States and they're fighting in Canada, so they probably won't have to be tested. Good call. So Kutalaba, I do feel like we've seen him fight in America of recently, which means he does have to be tested at least after fight. Um, it's interesting to me. I think Anti Gulov... Uh, it might be worth putting. I think they're both worth putting. In a I couple think they places. both are at eight thousand six hundred. I see the knockout for Kutalaba or the submission for Antigulov. Eight thousand six hundred for Antigulov. Seven thousand six hundred for Kutalaba. Ugh. That is a that again tentative on that. I could see playing either one of those fighters, but we have a couple other wager gagers throughout the night that think it's going to be good money nights. A lot of good potential parlays to put in together and get an exposure to either one of those fighters then we have or at the betting lines though real quick for those two guys Antigulov minus 165 against a plus 145 Kutulaba 
people slightly edging out again that fight then we are at the co-preliminary main event with Hakeem Dadua against Austin Arnett at 145 pounds. Dadua being 7-1, getting his first L in there against big underdog Danny Henry. He was here last week. I have uh, Cajun Johnson versus oh, Islam Makachev. Damn, why'd I skip one? Showing the hate for <laughs> Cajun Johnson. My bad. I'm getting ahead of myself because that uh, next one is a fun one. But... You are correct. Eon Makhlchev against Cajun. Islam. Raging Cajun. Islam Makhlchev against K Raging Cajun Johnson. Project Spearhead's own Cajun J... Raging Cajun. In there, Leslie Smith, protege. Uh, he's at TriStar. Worked a bit with Leslie Smith, but vocal. Very been, been very vocal against the UFC. So you know the UFC has been trying to put him in there against people to lose. And it hasn't worked out for them. Cajun Johnson's been able to weasel out some fights... Uh, really staying on the back foot. Really likes to be a counter striker in there. Has power off of his counter strike. We've seen him knock out quite a few guys off of that back foot. He will run directly backwards, but get that lateral movement on the cage and catches guys when they chase. Islam Makhlchev, being a Russian fighter, 15 and one. His only loss in there being to Adriano Martins, with which. Raging Cajun knocked out, so they have a common opponent in there. Makhlchev, though, coming off of a three-fight winning streak against Chris Wade, Nick Lentz, and Gleason Tebow as of late in a knockout. All those guys are grinders. All those are heavy-ass fights, and the Russian got in there, got double-legged, put him against the cage, and really tangled him up, and was winning tons of ground and pound. I expect him to try to do the same here. Does Cajun Johnson host The Daily Show? <laughs> Does he look like that guy? The Daily Show? Is the new oh uh the European guy, right? Yeah. I can see that. They could be cousins. They could be cousins. <laughs> Raging Cajun though, um, tends to be losing fights in my eyes. And tell the reason he's also won some of these split decisions is cause he's fighting out of Canada. He's a Canadian TriStar disciple. The judges sway a little bit on here. I got Makhlchev winning a heavy one-sided decision, but do not think for one moment that uh, he doesn't land a couple harder shots. And even though we see one or two takedowns actually land for Makhlchev, that the judges go the other way. I got Makhlchev. I, he's a decided favorite for a reason. Who do you have at the end of the night here? Pretty much the shame I got Makhlchev KO round three, though. I think it's almost disrespectful that he's having to fight backward this much. I think the rankings are a little screwed here, and he is beating the right guys to be crawling further in this division. So it's nothing against Cajun Johnson. They're just, in my opinion, they should be like 15 different in ranking. So I got Makhlchev, and I think he figures out how to do it by round three. So we have... 9,600 for Makhlchev against 6,600 against Raging Cajun. There's no way I'm putting Makhlchev on many, many things. It's pretty much TKO round number one is what he has to get in there to pay off that type of money. Unless he puts a absolute beat down Tim Elliott style and just styles all over Raging Cajun, which could happen. Could, could happen, but I'm going to be limited limitedly exposed to him on DraftKings. I think you have to pay a lot there for Makoshev. The actual betting line, minus 730 against plus 550. 
That's a humongous seven to one favorite for Makhlushev. Are you gonna put any money on that? Oh, on that? That's a. That's humongous. It probably should be though. I feel like he's fighting backwards so much here. I think a lot of people. It's see no that favors as well. to Cajun. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Then we go to the. Hold on, am I skipping one? Yeah, it is the co-main event for the pl- the co-preliminary main event with Hakeem Dadua against Austin Arnett. Dadua being 7-1, getting his first loss in the UFC against Henry. That was a lat B underdog pick of the week in Henry against Dadua. No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just the bean and I'm biased there. Saw that winning, but... uh. Arnett coming off a two-fight losing streak, 15-4, and four, hasn't been able to get a win in the UFC. One of the rare options where he's actually lost a contender series fight, came in the UFC, and lost again TKO due to body shot. Dadua is a striker who got was on a huge hype train against Henry. Henry is a sneaky guy. I think Henry more overlooked people, and people thought that Henry... Got a lucky knockout in there, and people are seeing that. That is not so true. Austin Arnett, though, hasn't really gotten anything going, and I don't think here against a fast starter like Dadua, it's going to be more of the same for him. I got TKO round number one. A lot of people see that. (laughs) I think a lot, a lot of people see that. We don't need to get heavy into it because Arnett doesn't have good takedowns, good takedown defense, but striking-wise, he's even lacking there. And Dadua, elbow, probably an elbow finish. Round number one, who do you have? Ugh, I have Dadua um, KO round two, but I'm tentative on it because I think Dadua can be finished by submission, and I think Arnett can submit somebody. So I'm a little hesitant going into it, um, mm-hmm. but I still do have Dadua KO round one. Minus three ninety four to one underdog is Arnett on that. So I could see this fight being that minus eight. I could see that I'd be more comfortable Dadua being in that Makoshev betting wise position here. That's how much more one sided I see that fight. But on to the headline bout on Fight Pass. We have Jordan Mean against Alex Morono at 170 pounds. Welterweights coming in 30 and 12 for Jordan Mean. 28 years old, last beating Eric Silva, who is no longer in the UFC. Eric Silva just coming off of a win. In a different fight league, armbar off of his back. Alex Morono being 14 and 4, last beating Josh Berkman four months ago via submission, but losing to a split decision Nakamura. Nakamura tends to be a grinder in there. Jordan Mean can be ground a little bit. I think Morono is very underrated just because he's not, he's a master of all trades, or what is it, a jack of all trades, master of none. Doesn't have tons of power. It's really his gr- his gas tank and his grindingness that gets Morono fights in there. And Jordan Mean, who's already retired at 28 years old and come back with a long fight career, said he he's ready in there. Oh, well, he's ready when he blows people out and gets them out of there quickly. But prior to that, when he has grinding ass fights, Jordan Mean tends to quit because he's been in there since he was 16 years old. Dad was a fighter as well. And it's just been too long of a show. I think Morono breaks Jordan Mean in here and actually gets a finish in the second or third round. Wow. I like Morono here a lot, a lot. I'm a lot. I'm going to put Morono where I can. Who do you have in this fight? I have Morono as well. I just have Morono by decision. 
Uh, Jordan Mean, the guys he loses to are guys that go on to be like pretty substantial guys in the sport. Um, but the guys he's beating aren't guys that even stick around too many fights after. So I think Alex Morono still has an upward trajectory. Totally. And so I have him winning this fight by decision. And I think this is a bloody battle. So a lot of people... If you can make a parlay on bloody battle. It's tough because you're getting minus 110, minus 110. This is a coin flip of a fight, even odds for these fighters. On DraftKings, 8,100 against 8,100 for Jordan Mean. But we're both siding with Morono Decision. I do have Morono Decision, but I do think if someone's the finish in the later rounds, definitely Morono is going to be that fighter. Then we start off the FS1 main card with... A brawl for y'all at 155 pounds. Aban Mercier, OBM, finally coming into his own against fresh new fighter in the scene, coming off of a humongous 4-1 underdog victory against Benil Dariush. Dariush's chin has been a little lacking, but Eric Aaron Hernandez coming in all sorts of bodied up. I'd say this is a hot body contest for both of these young men. At 29 See, years old. I think old. Auburn started to come in really lean. That's what I'm saying. He's finally starting to look shredded, mm-hmm. where he looked little kiddish out there in times, where Hernandez, Hernandez looks... Hernandez looks ripped. He looks like he could be in a bodybuilding contest. Ripped. What we saw from Hernandez and have seen with his 9-1 record in here, coming off of a long winning streak, 25-year-old at 5'9", is cuts from probably about a buck seventy-five to get to... 155 pounds. We know Aubon Mercier cut down from welterweight. That's why he's finally looking shredded in there. At 11 and 2, Aubon Mercier uh, really relies on the ground. His striking has always been developing. He's gotten better. Also a TriStar guy, also a Canada guy. We have to be watching out. You know you're going to have a bias here with the Canadian judges. We've seen it before in Aubon's fights because he t- can get picked apart standing. And if he doesn't get fights to the ground, I see Aubon's. Uh, being uh, a little more hesitant in the striking does slow down a bit more but again has been coming into his own own much much more Hernandez though has a high wrestling D1 pedigree and really almost Justin Gaethje's it in there because he's so reliant on being able to get back to his feet when he wants to when people have been able to take him down his gas tank in his previous fights against lower competition has held up as well I'm going against the grain here. I know I am. I got Hernandez TKO round number one. I think he blitzes OBM. I don't think the judges are involved here. I like what I saw with Hernandez. I like what I hear Hernandez saying. Like, don't get used to me being in there and grinding people out. He can grind if he needs to, but he can surprise mofos as well. OBM can leave his chin a little high at times, and it only takes Hernandez one time to find that chin. We saw that as of late. Who do you have in this fight? I do agree we saw it of late, but it was against Benil Dariush. Bitchini. I think Aubin Mercier is in the right trajectory, and I don't think he had the same power at 170 that he does have at 155, hence why he's looking so shredded. Um, I like everything I see from Hernandez, and I do not think this is an easy fight at all for Aubin Mercier. I do think it becomes a grind fest after the first round and I think Hernandez's uh, cardio is going to squash 
um, after that same first round. I'm not going to have either fighter heavily anywhere, but I do think the amount of transitions that could happen could be points for whoever's the cheapest. Um, I have Aubin Mercier winning by a decision, and I think the decision might even be where people are pissed about it, but I think he'll get the hometown swing of the uh, sickle, so to speak. And I feel like Every time Auburn Mercier fights in Canada, we kind of see that happen, where it goes to decision and the judges were like, I don't know if I felt right about that. Well, the crowd was cheering for our guy, so of course we got to give it to them. Auburn Mercier, 8,300 on DraftKings against 7,900 betting-wise. You're going to end up coming in with the bean if you go Hernandez at plus 115. I agree with that. I agree with that. Against Auburn Mercier's plus 135. I could see this being even money by the betting lines by fight night. This is going to be minus 115. Minus 115. No. Plus 115 for Hernandez. Minus 135. Slight favorite to Auburn Mercier. That should be about right. I agree. That's about right. Um, Got a couple underdogs here. Got a couple underdogs this night. But that's a a testament to how fun this fight night is and why it should be a pay-per-view instead of next week. Because these are close ones. I thought you were hating on this card. Was I really? When was I hating on it? Right when I got here. You were like, I don't know, there's a couple of meh fights on this one. And I was like, really? I'm loving this card. Yeah, the first, we talked about the uh fights. It was a lady fight, and then there was uh, the first fight of the night. Those were like the two uh fights, and then I was like, we got a lot of people that are... No? Okay, maybe I was wrong. I don't know, maybe. There is two fights that I am totally do not give a shit about, but... This main card could be a pay-per-view. I know, whereas the next week, there's only two fights that you do give a shit about. True, 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 Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. This could easily be a co-main event on a pay-per-view to me. We have former champion, long-time title holder. For a Fox night, this could be the main event. This easy could be the main event. A former belt holder against, I guess in the main event, we have a former belt holder as well. But Joanna being a long-time title reign... At 115 against Tisha Torres, the tiny tornado herself. 14 and 2, only two losses being to the current champ, Rose Nama Yunus, at 115. Tisha Torres with a 10 and 2 record only in the UFC, losing to Jessica Andrade off of her first loss or second loss. Also, Rose Nama Yunus in his decision. We know what we get with the tiny tornado. She's definitely got that strong grip game in there, working constantly with Pennington, the last title contender in there. Tisha Torres coming out of Colorado fighting. She was at top team, but now is over with uh, Pennington. Against Andrash. Andrash really used a slick wrestling game and forward pressure pressure to just outland Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres never looked hurt in there. Joanna Yunjacek is always kill you by a thousand cuts. We're going to see a striking battle in here. If there's a takedown for either fighter, who would you say is more likely to throw the takedown in there? Tisha all day. I was thinking Tisha as well. But we've seen great takedown defense with JJ. JJ has been able to stop the best of them, systematically picking people apart. Though Carolina, we've seen multiple fights that go into five rounders where Tisha Torres, or where uh, JJ has a lot of lumps and bruises. She eats punches as well in there. And has been relying on her chin in there. I do believe there's some sort of mix 
with Tisha Torres. Either way, people have seen Rose Namajunas, how she did it. There's an opening for a left hook, and Tisha Torres can put a game plan together and is a good enough martial artist to be able to land that left hook against Joanna. Joanna, though, comes from um, the top team. They are former training partners. Tisha Torres coming out and saying that JJ at American Top Team only trains with low-level fighters. She never trained with the elite girls because they was too hard of practices. And... A lot of people say JJ is broken after that Rose Namajunas fight. A lot of people are saying mentally JJ is not there. I can see reasons for all of that and reasons for none of it. With it, I am super excited for this fight. I do think this is going to be Who one Who is that, saying JJ is not there? I've seen a lot of Twitter. A lot, a lot of Twitter people uh, have been blowing it up. I'm not going to drop any dimes because I can't think of them. But I have seen a lot of people betting on Tisha Torres in this bout because they think, uh, from what they're saying, JJ is mentally, because of how hyped she gets her fights. And not only is it her first loss against Rose, it's two losses in a row. Yeah. So they're saying that they're just, a lot of people are hesitant on the gym. It's all chatter. People make up shit. I got JJ still in a decision. This is a three-rounder. <laughs> just telling you what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. 115. How do you have this bout? Whoever you're hearing it from, they need to get their own podcast and talk about it themselves. I only want to hear what you think about it, <laughs> especially if it's fucking hate. Yep. On Joanna Janjacek. I think she reminds us why they call her Joanna Janjacek. Another thing about this fight that we haven't gotten to see in a very long time with Joanna, maybe three, maybe four years, a three-round fight. What is Joanna gonna unleash in a three-round fight that she is so used to having to save for five rounds? Yeah, did Rose catch her? For sure. Did Rose take her down? For sure. Mm-hmm. I do believe that Tisha is a martial artist enough to put together a game plan enough. I don't know if her camp's elite enough. I think it has to, I think what Pat Barry and Rose are doing is something super, super, super special. And I do also think Tisha left American Top Team because of Joanna Janjacek. I believe that Rocky left American Top Team because of Amanda Nunes. I think once you start seeing yourself as the champion, you can't train with the champion. It It's too crazy. Yep. So... I think they left because they knew they had to do it to be able to take her on. I also think that maybe Joanna doesn't train in an open gym because she knows that that girl's coming up on her toes and she's not going to let her... No, I, I don't think Tisha's as good of a wrestler as Claudia. And I don't think she's as good of a puncher as Jessica Andrade. So I think JJ's safe here. Yep. I think she handedly walks away with the decision or she systematically pieces her apart like you were saying and knocks her out in round three. I love Tisha Torres. I just don't think she is tall enough for this division. It's almost like she's a 105er. And Adam Waite. Yeah. People have been calling for that, but it is limited pickings out there for Adam Waite. It's not a heavy division. Even in the minor organizations, they have trouble trying to fill that Adam She White does position. have power enough, though, to catch her the same way Rose did. But I think everyone is just assuming, like, because Rose found it, everybody else can. No, yep. Rose is a champion. Don't take that away from Rose. Like, don't take that away from what she's doing and the camp she's putting together to beat the champion and then do it again. 
like there's something to be said about beating Joanna the second time. Totally. So totally agreed with that. It's still Joanna on J check, everyone. It is champion violence. Get it together. Joanna coming in at nine thousand two hundred on DraftKings against seven thousand. Oh, she getting knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> How much is it for Tisha? Seven nine. Seven no seven thousand even for Tisha Torres. She for could a be decision. a live wire because she she could be. A, we have other guys that are definitely I feel more comfortable with in there against not as experienced opponents. Three minus three hundred for Joanna Yonjacek plus two fifty for Tisha Torres. Yeah, I'm not gonna bet Tisha Torres anywhere. No. No. And look at this next fight coming up. Co-main event. It's a four carder because it is gonna or it is a four card main card out of Calgary. Co-main event. Also one of the longest reigning champions of all time. Finally, people are saying he's a shell of himself. Post Usada, Jose Aldo against Jeremy Stevens up on a rise. Jeremy Stevens trying to get that belt. People not wanting to fight him. Dustin Ortiz, or Brian Ortega, not willing to fight Jeremy Stevens on short notice. Off of that, Jeremy Stevens just saying he's ready. He's in his prime. He's 28 and 14, 32 years old. Tends to be a striker against Jose, Jose Zaldo. 26 <laughs> and 4. Jose Aldo, I mean. Yeah. 26 and 4. Has only lost in the UFC. Two in a row, though. Two Max Holloway and... Kana McGregor getting a win against Frankie Edgar decision in there in between all of those losses. Max Holloway really showed the blueprint of how to beat Jose Aldo and how you can do it in two different ways. Initially, Max Holloway beat him a decision, then he finally finished them, and you can really take all that tape and see how putting Jose Aldo into the later rounds, which this is a three-rounder, that really benefits Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. Checking leg kicks really, really is a good effect on Aldo. And scrambling-wise, just making it grind out affects Jose Aldo now that he's post-USADA. I think the leg kick game is really where J- where Little Heathen has to get it going. He's loving that low calf kick. And Jose Aldo really leans on that forward leg to throw a beautiful jab. Chris combinations. Uh, Jose... If he can, he can stick to a game plan and pick apart Jeremy Stevens. He's a better striker. He's a better ground guy. But he is a, just a bit of a shell of himself. He's been competing at the highest level. Also coming out of the Novo Yao camp. They've been having Eduardo Dantes out of Bellator just falter. Gadelia left. All of their elite people that have gone anywhere have left that camp. Their main coach, Javier Mendez. Hasn't, Claudia hasn't won since she's left. Agreed. Uh, but guys out of there haven't won either. Um, but Claudia did change her game plan dramatically after she changed there. The main Javier Mendez, or not Javier Mendez, whoever the main coach there that started Novunia just left two months ago. So they've had a lot, a lot of turmoil I think there's a lot. I think Jeremy Stevens is in a prime spot to again make a name off of Jose Aldo, and I think that's kind of where he's at in his career for people to make names off of him. I got Jeremy Stevens TKO now round number two or three. I'm liking the underdog potentially. Thirty-two year old Stevens coming out with the win. Who do you have in this fight? I like everything you say, and I had Jeremy Stevens for the longest time because I also like him training with Dominic Cruz, who I think is the best tape reader in the game. And I think he can figure out the perfect game plan to beat Jose Aldo. There's so much tape out there. Yep. 
All that being said, Jose Aldo only loses to guys who should be fighting at a heavier weight class. Like, everyone he loses to are, like, you know, Max Holloway. Look at everything going on with him and his weight right now. Seems like big, huge problems. So he probably will never be a 145-er again. Uh, the other, Conor McGregor, mm, maybe, in, you know, he'll never be a 145-er ever, ever, ever again. So uh, I think Jose Aldo is only losing to the best guys. Do I think that, all that being said, Jeremy Stevens, I believe, could go out there and starch Frankie Edgar right now. I would agree with that. I think Jeremy is on the right trajectory all the way around. So I think this is going to be a banger of a fight. I do think Jeremy Stevens could stop this fight purely because of leg kicks. I do think he has the power to stop this fight. All of that. Jeremy Stevens has never even come close to fighting the caliber of guy that Jose Aldo is. So I have Jose Aldo decision. It's so, and I think it's going to be a great fight. And I've gone back and forth, so take that for what it is right now. It's going to be a grind of a fight. I think it's spot on with, again, this could be a fight of the night contender. Agree. Agree. Easily, easily, easily. Please, leg kicks, come into play. If Jeremy Stevens gets a knockout, it's later in the rounds. So I, you're going to see the bean probably putting a And I could easily switch on, on that. Like, even though yes. I have Aldo decision, if it's an underdog big enough, I could still like Jeremy Stevens as a Leslie Smith underdog pick. Jeremy Stevens plus 110 against minus 130 favorite Jose Aldo. I think they could be even lines by the fight. I could see a coin flip here. Minus 115, minus 115. On DraftKings, Jose Aldo, 8,200 against 8,000 for Jeremy Stevens. I might expose myself to both fighters here. For these type of odds, I agree. It, it's but it's just, only three rounds, so I'm not going to put them both on any cards. Right, 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 right. On to the main event. We got a number two, a reunion, a controversial finish, was overturned, dude. Back of the head blows. We have Dustin Poirier against former title holder, three title, former title holders in a row here. In Eddie Alvarez, 29 and 5 against a 23 and 5 Dustin Poirier. Poirier coming off of a four fight winning streak or three fight winning streak with that overturned loss against Alvarez. Alvarez coming off of his win to Justin Gaethje seven months ago. Then he got his win overturned and lost to Conor McGregor prior to that. But Eddie Alvarez, at 34 years old, a lot of people are waiting, as am I, for that fade position to come in against Justin Gaethje. I didn't think Alvarez would hold up, and that was a brutal fight. Both fighters were dr- very hurt. Eddie Alvarez, for every fight he's pretty much in, been in his whole career, he gets hurt, always has to come, has the heart to come back for that Jersey boy. Dustin Poirier has been known to quit a little bit more in there, even in that fight. He said he was wobbled. It was a punch to the back of the head. And it was called a TKO initially because he said he could not continue. And that's that game that didn't work out for him. Same as Weidman. Trying to put his hand down and get in need while they're having that rematch. Yeah. So, this is, after of their last fights, Dustin Poirier has really, in his last two fights, come against uh, Anthony Pettis and Justin Gaethje, showed us. Good game plan. Really talked about how his mindset is like he's having fun in there. It's not as stressful. He's not worried about losing anymore. And at 29 years old, he's been a long-time veteran in there. Has a heavy left hand. Great southpaw. 
always hurts people with that left. Gas tank under him. Jiu-Jitsu, always, always good. But Eddie Alvarez has great Jiu-Jitsu on top. Really stifles you with that wrestling. Isn't afraid to get in there and brawl at all. At any point in time. And has power in both hands. Late kicks go to Eddie Alvarez here. He throws them a bit more and a bit more often. And Dustin Poirier doesn't check kicks as much as I like in there. But does have better movement. Given the slight power advantage to Dustin Poirier here. I thought he was getting the better of Alvarez. Until that behind the ear shot. I think Dustin Poirier can put the better game plan together in here and come out with a victory. This is a five-rounder, also a contender for fight of the night. These guys are going to come out banging. I'm going to go with Dustin Poirier decision. Could see a finish in there, but ugh, I don't know for who. I don't know for who. So I'm going to go with the weak-ass play right now. Maybe look on that Twitterverse, see if I decide to go on a finish. Could be a coin flip by the end of it. Who do you have? In this fight. The underground king all day. I think it's an Eddie easy decision. I felt like he was winning the fight the last time. Whether the illegal knee was thrown or not, he was going to finish that fight, in my opinion. Uh Uh, The thing with Eddie is everybody always gets the best of them at first. They give everything they have. They think they finish him. And then they have nothing left to give. And Eddie's still coming at you round three, round four, round five, like it's round one and two. Mm -hmm. And that's the dangerous thing with Eddie Alvarez. Eddie was caught by Conor McGregor. Same guy that, you know. Hard-punching southpaw. And I like the diamond. He's no Conor McGregor. Agreed, agreed. Um... He beat Anthony Pettis, who I think is a shell of himself. And then he beat Justin Gaethje, who is a shell of himself. And Eddie made Justin Gaethje the shell of himself. So Dustin got the easier fight, in my opinion, than even though you say they beat the same dude. Not, not I don't think right. so. I think Eddie took part of Justin that Justin will never get back. Right. So it was an easier fight. The number one thing right here um, is just destiny for this to happen is... I like Eddie's chances of getting the Khabib fight over Connor getting that fight. And I like Connor liking the idea of fighting Eddie again way over fighting Khabib. I think Eddie has a better chance at beating Khabib than Dustin Poirier. And I know I'm looking past this fight, uh-huh. but I and I know an illegal strike was thrown, but I think Eddie would have won that fight anyway. Two months ago, that Dustin fought Justin, crazy. It is so crazy to me that he doesn't think some part of this, like I have an injury on my shin that I did when I was about 17 years old that I feel right now when I did that. And it is just as tender, not as the day I did it, but after two months after healing, it is just as tender as that. It takes a while. So two months after a Justin Gaethje fight, fight, and then you're talking about Eddie's leg kicks? It's a point. I, I like. just think, what's Dustin going to do? Come Five-round fight of leg kicks? Not going to happen. I got Eddie here, and I think he's going to have a KO or a TKO round four, maybe a tiny bit sooner than that. So, and I feel really confident about it. I do not see Dustin being able to knock out Eddie. I mean, if you've been listening to the show, you know we got split fights all night, underdogs for days all over the card there's going to be money to be made here DraftKings 8,800 for Poirier against 7,400 against Alvarez wow interesting 
the favorite as well is Dustin Poirier minus 160 against a plus 140 Eddie Alvarez slight favorite almost two to one favorite Dustin Poirier I'm leaning with the favorite you're going with the underdog are you gonna put Eddie all over your draftings like you kind of have to yes Kind of have to. I'm going to be tentative on Poirier as well for 8-8. He has to pretty much get Eddie Alvarez out of there in the first round. This is a five-rounder. I could see it stacking him even. But a five-rounder with potential? I'm not Dustin anywhere. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think he should be the favorite. I don't understand if how anyone can see him finishing somebody he couldn't finish before. Good point. We have a few wager gagers throughout the night. Do we have a Leslie Smith underdog pick? <sighs> I don't know. I don't think we decided officially. I don't think we agreed on, on anything. <laughs> I, yeah, pretty much. Except anything. one round of one guy beating Kutalaba. We we agreed on round two submission for. Yeah. And I think he whatever. is the favorite, so he cannot be our underdog. Yeah, no. By any stats, but that a testament to the card. You better be watching. If you're going to take off a this card, a maybe gift. next week. This is a summertime gift. Exactly. You're going to get this that for clean. summertime blues. Clean stream. Like and subscribe wherever yeah, you Thank you, can. everyone, for listening, and see you Sunday. Let's the Bean! Thanks for listening to Let Be. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.